Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This is it. The time has come. Go the distance with Fight Night Live. It's Fury versus Peter and Khan versus Dib. Live from Jeddah on TalkSport, the home of boxing. Welcome to Fight Night Live on TalkSport, your home for boxing. I'm Adam Catterall. Alongside me this evening, Don McGuinness and Spencer Oliver. And as you've just heard... Just then, we're going to be bringing you commentary of two fights this evening. Amir Khan, what has he got left as he takes on Billy Dibb in Jeddah? On the undercard, Huey Fury taking on Samuel Peter. Where do they both lie in the heavyweight division? I'll introduce you to my co-presenters in a moment or two, but to get you in the mood for tonight's big fights, take a listen to this. Samuel Peter from Nigeria and a left hook! He's always got a punch. You can never rule that out, but even if he's prime, I'd beat him any day of the week. Fury, Fury! Too fast, too furious! Heavyweight champion of Great Britain! Manny Pacquiao or Kel Brook, I mean, these are the fights I want now. It's all about just cleaning up the sport and, and finishing on top and winning another world title. Jenna this evening, it is of course Amir Khan taking on Billy Dib, Huey Fury versus Samuel Peter, Huey Fury and Samuel Peter uh, will be the first fight that we bring to you in a moment or two but first of all, Don McGuinness alongside me as is Spencer Oliver, gentlemen as ever always a pleasure uh, to be in your company, Spencer I'll come to you first of all regarding Amir Khan we saw him up against Terence Crawford he fell short that night a lot of bad rhetoric coming off the back of that fight a lot of people saying that he quit He's got a big point to prove tonight against Billy Dibb, hasn't he? Yeah, he certainly has. And you know what? Billy Dibbs, I think, is the perfect opponent for Amir Khan to go out there and look good. Dibb likes to come forward. We saw him in his last fight boxing for a world title. We saw he's very tough, loves to come forward. But the big point here with Dibb is that he's small. He was a super featherweight. This fight's up at world weight, and you're right. You know, Khan's got a point to prove. He's got to prove that he's got something left. He's talking about big fights with Kell Brook. He's talking about big fights with Manny Pacquiao. He has to look good in this fight. You know, he can't go out there and look 
you know, not particularly good because it's not going to work for him. Uh, now, a couple of weeks ago, Spencer, we were at uh, the York Hall. We love the York Hall. We spoke about other venues around the world that we absolutely love. Madison Square Garden came up in conversation. Uh, and Don McGuinness, who is the second prince, I believe, of Jeddah, uh, <laughs> absolutely loves the King Abdullah Sports Arena. You've been here, of course, uh, for uh, Callum Smith versus George Groves. This is your new second home, isn't it? Well, it's an interesting journey anyway, because downtown Jeddah is about half an hour you travel north through the desert and very little to see, and then all of a sudden in the distance ahead you see a big sports complex. It's a, a multi-sport indoor arena, the King Abdullah Centre, and then around it there's like 3G pitches and all floodlit, but there's not an awful lot around it. And then you get in there and you could be anywhere. Once you're inside, obviously in the, the arena, again, you're looking around, it's basketball, it's ice hockey, it's everything, but it's boss absolutely boxing tonight as it was with Callum Smith it's something they're trying to do they're trying to grow boxing and they see Amir Khan is the the highest profile Muslim to ever hype well, the first Muslim to headline a show yeah. in the kingdom and that's what they're trying to do you know the plan is clear they want to encourage boxing they thought they were going to do it with Prince Nassim you know a few years ago it didn't quite happen but they now have the night that they wanted and it is Khan in Jeddah does this just go to prove um, Khan's pulling power Spencer because this is a guy that's fighting out in the Middle East he's used to fighting in America last time out of course was at Madison Square Garden he's getting weighed in big time tonight reports yeah. of around about seven million pounds for his for his first this evening and he's fighting technically his pal that just goes to prove to me his name in the world of boxing is absolutely ginormous because there's not many active fighters that can pull that amount of ticket tonight can there no there's, there certainly isn't you know Amy Khan's a 38 fight veteran and if you look down the record at some of the names that he's boxed some of the contests he's been in you know he deserves that status he's out there and they, you know they're trying to build him out there um, in Saudi Arabia they they love him um, and I think he will be. I think he'll become a bigger star even out there, even at this late stage of his career. Regarding what this fight means for Amir Khan going forward, because we would fully anticipate, and just reading between the lines, that they are investing money into this sport. They're investing money into Amir Khan. You think tonight's maybe a showcase event for him in, in order to maybe set up something bigger. What do you think might be on the horizon, Dom? Yeah, there's about seven million reasons why Amir Khan's <laughs> in the kingdom. But, I mean, apart from that, I mean, the Saudi plan is quite clear and it's quite clever because, obviously, what they've done is, originally, let's not forget, Amir Khan's opponent was Niraj Goyat, the Indian that was meant to be, obviously, the opponent. The idea was, as well, not only just promoting Saudi sport and Saudi boxing, but it was being kind of flagged as race uh, as relations between the two nations obviously with the the boy from pakistani heritage amir khan and the indian and, and now that's changed obviously the car crash that ruled going out but now the plan is obviously if khan gets through this as as we expect him to manny pacquiao and then you've got the two massive communities in Saudi because Saudi is not the homogenous place that many people think it is you know it, it, it basically has a massive Pakistani community there are thousands and thousands of Filipino in the service industries the hotels are all stacked with Filipinos working in hotels so you can imagine the sense in it mm. Amir Khan against Manny Pacquiao would sell huge in Saudi Arabia not only that they've got some deep pockets out there haven't they Spencer in order to tempt Manny Pacquiao to get over there and fight absolutely listen that fight will be made can be made and that's why I think Amir Khan has to look good here because, I mean, you touched on it earlier on, um, Adam, about, you know, Amir Khan in his last fight. There's a lot of question marks. He didn't come out of it particularly well 
a lot of question marks on did he quit, did he not quit, was he at the end of his career? Because, you know, we've seen him have a heart of a lion through all of his contests. We go back to Marcus Maidana and remember the punishment he took in that contest to still come through and win it. But against Terence Crawford, we didn't see that same sort of desire and want and will to win. So there's big question marks hanging over Amir Khan. That's why he has to look good out here. You know, there's no, there's no two ways about this. This is all about if he wants to fight the likes of Manny Pacquiao in a fight that could well possibly happen because of the deep pockets, as you rightly alluded to, he has to look good here against Billy Dib. And I think Dib's in person a perfect opponent for that. Um, but yeah, Khan knows what's on the line here. We're not here to con our audience. We're not here to say that this is the greatest matchup in the world of all time ever. Uh, but I am mildly fascinated by it because of everything that we've just been mentioning there. That this, this could be a stepping stone into that world of Manny Pacquiao. And I know that people will say, well, that's well down the line. Pacquiao's in his 40s now and it should have happened maybe five years ago. Fact is, it didn't. And there is a real opportunity with these deep pockets in, uh, in the Middle East that it is a real possibility in the not-too-distant future. Regarding Billy Dib, we're going to have to speak about him because he's the man that stands across from Amir Khan this evening. This is a guy that's been retired for a short period of time. His last fight was at Super Featherweight. You know, he's now fighting up welterweight. You can understand why people maybe have doubts and maybe concerns, actually, for him getting in the ring tonight with a guy that has spent the majority of his career at 140 pounds and above. Yeah, I think you said it before as well. It's a pal of Amir Khan, so it adds that little bit of intrigue. He used to actually train at the Ingle camp in Sheffield, Div, and, you know, well-known on these shores. He has had a world title, but, you know, again, is that relevant now? As you say, he's been retired. He's come back. He's had three weeks' notice for this fight. He's going to have uh, Nettles Nasir in his corner, who's based in, in the kingdom as well. And, and again, he had to persuade him that he was serious about the challenge of Amir Khan. So, I mean, that tells you a lot that... You know, we don't seriously, I suppose, expect Amir Khan to get in too much trouble. But, you know, we've said that before in the past and he's been stunned, he's been shocked. And we know it's the season of shocks at the moment. So Khan can't take him too lightly. And I, and I just think that it's an opportunity for Dave. It's probably the, the, the biggest payday he's ever had. Why would he turn that down at his age, 33? He's going to go for it. He's going to get in there, see what he can do. And again, but Khan is kind of damned if he does, damned if he doesn't, whatever happens tonight. If he blasts him out and around, it's a Phil Greco. If he's taken eight, nine rounds, oh, he should be taking care of, uh, of a fella that's half his size. Mm. It's a tricky one for him. What does he do tonight, Spencer? Because there are loads of different thought processes of how he goes about it. Does he carry his, his mate? Or does he aim for that Phil Greco performance and try and blow him out quick? Well, I don't think that's in Khan's DNA to carry his mate. I really don't. I think when that first bell goes, listen, I know when the first bell goes, you haven't got mates. You know, it's down to business. And that's what this is. This is business. He's given Billy Dib the opportunity. You know, and that's fair enough. Dib, you know, coming off that loss for the world title. But he went out He went out on his shield. He gave it everything. He lost on points to Tamim Farmer. But he, he give it a go. And what we do know about Dib is he's tough. He's a two-time world champion. He's tough. In his last contest, he give it a go. He was pushing forward for 12 rounds. In Amir Khan's last contest, a lot of people felt he quit after six. So there's question marks hanging over there. But what Khan's done here is, yes, he's give his mate a payday. And yes, he's give his mate a chance. But there is no way that Amir Khan will carry anyone. And I'll tell you why he won't carry anyone. Because we've seen Amir Khan in the past. And when he gets clipped, he gets clipped. You know, he's not... The, he's He's not a guy that's known as the most durable fighter out there, so he's not going to carry anyone. That's why Amir Khan starts as fast as he starts, because he likes to get the job done. The hand speeds with Amir Khan. Billy Dib's feet are quite slow. He carries his hands a little low, and I'm expecting Khan to go out and do something quite special. Just a little bit of football news, actually, that is coming to us. Uh, whilst we are uh, waiting for Huey Fury and Samuel Peter, TalkSport understands that Fabian Delft to Everton 
is a done deal. Uh, that is being in the region of around about £8 million. Uh, for more on this story, go to TalkSport.com or TalkSport2. Get yourself stuck into that. You've been a football man yourself. Uh, Dom, I think that's decent business, that, for Everton, because he's been a valuable part of Manchester City squad, hasn't he, Fabian Delft? Yeah, it's a natural home for him as well. I mean, the locality for Delft, there's no moving house. I mean, these things are, do matter when you've got a young family like Fabian has, and, you know, based in the northwest as he is. It's a good move for him, and, and you know, there's been good communication between the, the, the two clubs over, the, you know, in the last few years. And it, from Delft's point of view, you know, he's looking at the situation. He's been used as a left-back sparingly last season. He had a great season the season before, but Zinchenko had a standout year last year and Angelino has come back as well he went to PSV he's moved back to Manchester City now so where does where does Delft fit in the pecking order there he's not going to get into midfield that's where he'd rather be he's not going to get there now because they just signed Rodri as well and Fernandinho's still there so the Everton move it's perfect for him he goes there and he's probably because of Baines obviously and, and the backup they've got there he's going to play in mid midfield for Everton where he'd probably be very happy mm, absolutely uh, we're expecting that to be officially announced tomorrow so if you're just joining us uh, talks more always first when it comes to the big transfer news and it's looking like Fabian Delph will be an Everton player unveiled tomorrow, moving from Manchester City for the region of around about 8 million quid. Right, let's get on to the heavyweight, shall we? Because it's Huey Fury uh, against Samuel Peter. Uh, you spent a little bit of time with Huey Fury recently, haven't you, Dom? Um, obviously, up there training, watching him um, in the aftermath and in the build-up to the Chris Norad fight, his last time out. Where is he at in this yeah. mix at this moment in time? It's frustrating for him. I was in the build-up, obviously, and I was ringside for the Chris Norad fight. And, and Peter, his dad and trainer, and Huey himself, he was sick, really, after that fight. I mean, he dispatched Norad, who came in with a winning record. I won't tell you what Peter said about his winning record, but it wasn't very complimentary. And he made the point that you can forget records. They don't mean such and such and such. And as I say, I can't really tell you what he said. But they were disappointed because he didn't get the contest he wanted. And going into this one against Samuel Peter, he wants to make a statement against a, a once very decent fighter he wants to get back in the mix but of course the Andy Ruiz fight has thrown the landscape in the air as we know in the heavyweight division now it, you know he just sees it as opportunities he's kind of been the forgotten heavyweight he's not done a lot wrong he's only 24 years of age two blips on his record a very tight world title fight with Joe Parker and then the cut against Pulav in Bulgaria, which hampered him, but he still went the distance, didn't get the decision. So, again, he is a baby in heavyweight terms. But, again, a little bit of the forgotten man. He wants to, wants to make a statement, get rid of Peter, and then get right back in there. He will tell you he can beat any man any day of the week, Huey Fury. He's always been like that, and he absolutely believes it. The tale of the tape is that Samuel Peter, the man that stands across him, is uh, 38 years of age. I think that's... Uh a little conservative, isn't it? Because he's been around for a lot longer than it seems, yeah, Samuel I'm, Peter. I, I'm, I'm sure he was 38 when I was boxing him, <laughs> I'm honest. Um, yeah, I think 48 would be more more like it. That's the, um, yeah, the unofficial age is 38. But I think he's a little older than that. He looks a little older than that, certainly. And I can remember him being around for a number of years. Listen, Samuel Peter back in his day could fight, really fight. He was a tough customer. And he was like the danger man of the heavyweight division. He still carries that punch power. So, you know, Huey Fury's got to be careful of that. But Dom's right. I think that he's sort of the forgotten man in the heavyweight division now. And he needs to make a statement tonight as well. Samuel Peters, the perfect opponent for that. He's slow. He's a lot slower than he used to be. You know, he sits in the pocket. And Huey Fury, you know, he's got quick hands. This could be a good night for Huey Fury and a chance really to shine against a guy that's got a good name, but is definitely a fading fighter. I feel a little bit sorry for Samuel Peter because he's been in the ring for what seems to be about 15 minutes. 
uh, whilst there's a guy in the crowd who is revving up uh, the audience, doing a little bit, I think he's playing bingo, the fella, you know what I mean? He's doing a bit of stand-up bingo and entertaining the crowd. I've never seen this at the boxing before. Normally when one fighter's in the ring, you get the other guy in there, ring the bell and get it on. Um, this is all going to play on his mind a little bit, isn't it? Surely he's been warmed up in the dressing room. He's ready to go out there and fight. He's been in the ring for a good 15 minutes and Huey Fury's not joined him yet. Well, I've got to tell you, Adam, he's been there, seen it, done it, if I'm honest. And, and you've got to remember his boxer lights of Kalichko. And Kalichko was never in a rush to come out of his dressing room as well. So, you know, this is, this will all be new to... Um, this is nothing new to Peter at all. And here comes Huey Fury now. He's just come out. He's just emerged. The crowd are loving him as well, aren't they? And this is a um, big night for Huey Fury here because, you know, he's got a chance to make a real statement and get himself in the mix of this heavyweight division that really is the best it's been for a number of years. Spence, we've been a little... I think not us in the media, but maybe fans have been a little bit harsh on him. As Don pointed out, he's 24 years of age. He's been at the top level on two separate occasions, hasn't he? He's been in with, uh, with Pulev and he went in there with Josie Parker and he fell short on both occasions. We're very quick, it seems, as boxing fans to throw people, throw people on the scrap heap. He's yeah. 24 in heavyweight terms. That's a baby. Yeah, it is, Adam. And let me tell you, against Josie Parker, a lot of people felt he won that fight and he put up a good fight against Pulev as well, who's a, who's a decent fighter. Look, he's 24, you're right. He is a baby in heavyweight terms. 22, he's had 24 fights, 22 wins, only them two defeats. But he's, you know, he's done himself proud in both those defeats. And like I say, against Parker, who's proven at that, you know, that level, um, you know, I think that Huey Fury done, done amazing. So he's still really up there in the mix. That's why it's important for him tonight, not tonight, not to labour against someone like Samuel Peter, who I think is the perfect opponent, by the way, because he's so big, he's slow, his feet are slow, and this is a real chance for Huey to look good, and um, he needs this tonight. Uh, well, I can tell you now that Huey Fury has finally joined uh, Samuel Peter uh, in the ring in uh, in Jeddah. Not through his own fault, it was just through the uh, crowd entertainment. They do things slightly different uh, in the Middle East, don't they, Dom? Well, they do. It's a, a slight theatre kind of a crowd, yeah, but uh, there's plenty of excitement. Uh, and again, you know, it really is. I can't, I can't kind of stress how important it is to the Saudis to get these events, to get the eyes of the world on the kingdom. They want to make Saudi Arabia a sporting destination for people from all over the world. Now, it's not the easiest place to get to visa-wise and everything else, but they do see that as easing off and making it a place where people will want to go and want to see the big, big events. And, and obviously the locals embracing the occasion, a, a full arena in the, the King Abdullah Center. And again, it's, it's a great little venue and it's good atmosphere, as you can hear, you know, it's, it's great, the atmosphere is good. And, you know, and it, it's, it's just, it is a little bit, it's very different, obviously, to the way we watch fights in the UK in terms of the crowds and Sweet Caroline yeah. and, you know, the bevies have been yeah, flowing yeah. for a long time. It's obviously, it's extremely different to that. It's very respectful, but they, you know, they expect to be entertained. That is the thing. They want to be entertained. As if they were going to the cinema theatre, they want a show. Well, let's hope uh, the two fights that we're bringing you on TalkSport tonight can bring them that. It is Fight Night Live here on TalkSport. I'm Adam Catterall. In commentary in a moment or two, it'll be Don McGuinness and Spencer Oliver. Don't forget, we have got a commentary of Amir Khan versus Billy Dibb coming up a little bit later on from the King Abdullah Sports Arena uh, in Jeddah in the Middle East. Uh, so stick with us for that. But first up, it is Huey Fury versus Samuel Peter. And calling you through it, it will be Spencer Oliver. But first of all, Don McGuinness. The referee has gone through his final instructions to both fighters and Huey Fury in his white shorts, white socks, white boots. Samuel Peter wearing the red and black 
gloves. But Fury, well, many consider just didn't quite do enough, but now Peter just pushes Fury to the ropes and lets a left hand go. He's going to maybe get a little bit of a telling off by the referee here because the referee had got in between them. He's going to have a point deducted, Samuel Peter. As he goes in, it's the gunslinger kind of flicks the jab from the face. And now the referee's getting in again because, well, a low blow once more from Peter. And Peter's going to get into trouble again. He's going to get a point here. He's in danger, really, of being disqualified. Again, Huey Fury. Let's see, Santiago. There's another low blow. Another low blow from Peter. Two men engaged in the middle. And this is getting utterly ridiculous. Now, the referee's got to do something here now. And just as they get tied up inside again, then the shot goes low again there from Peter. And the referee doesn't do anything. He's, it was on the flying side of the referee. But the shots are too low, Dom. Oh, and off. What on earth is Samuel Peter doing now? And I think he's going to get out of this by injury. Peter has just swung wildly with a right and a left. He's now holding his left shoulder. This fight is going to be over. He's not continuing. He's grimacing in pain, just as he'd let loose with a couple more low blows for good measure on Huey Fury. The referee, by the way, has been caught by Peter, you know. There's blood trickling down the referee's nose. With that wild swing before in the clinch, the referee has been caught by Peter. He's skimmed his nose. Now, fair play to the referee. He can take a shot as well. This one is over as a contest in the second round. A seventh round. Huey Fury will have his hand raised. And, and you know, from Huey Fury's point of view, well, good riddance to Samuel Peter because, you know, he wasn't fighting properly. He, all he was doing was cheating. Let's get it right. How you manage to make that sound decent, I will never know. That's the art of commentary, that, ladies and gentlemen. If you're uh, listening to this on TalkSport at home, Don McGuinness and uh, Spencer Rutherford calling you through that fight between Samuel Peter uh, and Huey Fury. And let's be honest, it was an absolute joke of a fight. Well, to be honest with you, the, the best punch of the night was taken by the referee, Ingo Barabbas. Uh, he, he took one when, he's trying to, when he was Clean, trying yeah. to get in the clinch between, obviously, Peter, who just again let the, his hands go, but... Again, south of the border on Huey Fury, who I, I tell you what, he's going to be black and blue down there tomorrow because that's the only that's the only punishment he took was down there, and the referee got in the way to try and stop that again, and a big wild swing of Peter, and he took one on the nose. He, he was uh, there was claret all over him, and, and again the referee, fair play to him. He, he, he took it very, very well. No complaints from him as well. He just got on with it. He's an experienced German referee. And again, you know, a tough fella in the middle. That's what you need. Yeah, I mean, I've got to be honest. The referee was being too lenient all night. He should have stamped his authority a little bit more on Peter, who we knew was trying anything. He was trying those dirty tactics, the low blows, the constant rabbit blows. But that last shot there, we're just looking it on slow-mo here. And that last shot there just clipped the end of the, the referee's nose and, the, and and it was bleeding it wasn't a little trickle it's bleeding quite badly had that been another inch in that nose might have been somewhere around the back of his head because he he threw that right hand like he was bowling a cricket ball he, he threw that with intention and luckily uh it just clipped the end of the nose of the referee but yep yeah, listen I think it was I think it was too late that they threw Peter out. He should have been slung out mm. before that. Uh, he didn't really come to win. Huey Fury done what he had to do. It wasn't a spectacular spectacle. Um, but on the, Fury on that, got the win. On that, Spencer, like you said, the majority of the rhetoric now is always going to be about Samuel Peter. How dirty he was, the low blows, and the faucet of the fight. But regarding Huey Fury, you look at that fight and there was moments that you could have maybe argued that you should put your foot down now. Come on. I know he's messing about with you. I know he's trying to put you off. I know he's being dirty. But an elite-level heavyweight with a bit of pop in the fists would have put it on him and taken him out of there and taken 
taking it, taking control of the fight themselves. I, I totally agree with you, Adam. I think, listen, we're in the entertainment business, and that's where we're at now. You know, you've got a lot of good heavyweights in there. You know, I, I think we're at our best time for as long as I can ever remember with this heavyweight division. And it was a chance for Huey Fury to shine there against, and let's have it right, an old man, Samuel Peter, who says he's 38, more like 48. He's been around a lifetime, and his best days are well behind him. And Peter really was looking for a way out from the opening bell but you're right Huey Fury was doing that safety first movement too much yeah he was winning the fight and was completely dominant but at some point you got to plant your feet and start letting the shots go and that was the disappointment from Fury listen he's a difficult man to beat because he's, he moves like a he moves like a lightweight I was mm. going to say a middleweight but that's probably not fair he moves like a lightweight he's very elusive his hands are very quick the one thing that he does is lacks power but he's going to be difficult to beat because he's so elusive and he's so there's so much movement but we're in the entertainment business he should have stood his ground a little bit more we were saying this we were, me and Don were talking about it you know, we felt that if he stood his ground for 10 seconds, he would have got Peter out of there because Peter was looking for a way out. Mm. Um, yeah, I would have just liked to have seen a bit more spite from Huey Fury tonight. There's always going to be comparisons between him and Tyson, always because of the family connection. What Tyson has, and sometimes Tyson's fights are incredibly boring, aren't they? You know what I mean? He keeps people at the end of the jab, he dances around, and it can look a little bit ungainly at times. But what he does have, he has, he has charisma outside the ring, doesn't he? He talks you up all week, he gets you absolutely pumped, and even if it's a stinker of a fight, he'll talk you after the fight as well and still keep you absolutely pumped and, and mesmerise you, make you feel like you've just watched something amazing. Huey Fury doesn't have that, so therefore he's got to do something different in the ring. And you're right to say, listen, you've got to put your foot down at times, you've got to start knocking kids out to really make noise in this division. Yeah, definitely. I mean, what we've got with Tyson Fury and Huey Fury, the difference is Tyson Fury's a giant. He's, you know, he's six foot nine, he's got long arms, and when he punches, they're not pu knockout punches, but they systematically break opponents down, they bust opponents up. We've seen it in the past with the likes of Derek Jazora, who's a very durable guy, yeah. and he's just constant, he's flicking out the jab, but the difference between Huey and Tyson is Tyson's jabs mark up their opponents. They start shutting the eyes and he breaks his opponents down. Huey doesn't have that, that single punch power. He's not a big heavyweight. So he's got to do something a little different. He's got to stand his ground from time to time and make it exciting because by doing that, it's not enough to sort of catapult you up there with the big guys. Mm. The beautiful thing about Huey, though, is that he is only 24. So if you look at other heavyweights that are in the late 20s now and early 30s, the likes of Deontay Wilder, if you look at them when they were 24, I know Wilder's very athletic and he's very slim anyway, but even if you look back when he was early 20s, there's nothing on these lads, absolutely nothing on them. And they fill out a little bit more in their late 20s, they gain a lot more strength, a lot more power as they, as they get older and they fill into their bodies. Hopefully that comes for Huey at some point because he's going to need a bang, isn't he? He's going to need to find some power from somewhere to make a dent in some guys. I think that if we try and get inside the head of Huey as well, is there a reason why he, he's boxing the way he is? That he's not, he's a bit gun shy, it seems. He's not engaging. He's had a terrible cut that cost him in his head the Pulev fight. I just wonder whether that has, has scarred him, you know, mentally and physically because the cut. Obviously, if you, if you are prone to cuts, it can be such a debilitating thing in your career. Now, that cut was awful. One of the worst cuts anyone's ever seen. Kerry yeah. Kay said it's the worst cut he's ever seen. And Kerry Kay is a very experienced cornerman and cutsman. And I just wonder whether that's part of the reason. Because we saw, we saw Huey Fury against Sam Sexton 
when he won the British title. He's brilliant. That it night. was devastating. Yeah. He showed power. He showed. Oh, here he is, Huey, with man strength now. And we thought he's going to really kick on. He's going to kick on from that. And and again, he's just taken that step back and, and reverted to the dancing, Huey. So and again, and maybe it's a case of he is 24. He's had a bit of time out with that illness that I mentioned earlier, the skin kind of illness that he had that cost him and was a viral thing. So I, I don't know whether the man whether he'll get back to that or maybe it's just something mentally gnawing away at him about the cut and maybe that well, could yeah, be something. Listen, I, I think you, you hit the nail on the head when he plants his feet. He's got the power to do it, but he's not. He's doing that safety first tactic, moving around, and you hit on a number of points there, Dom, as well. That yes, it could have been the illness that he had. He's not got the self belief in himself, the self confidence that he's still got that strength back. Yeah, he is only 24, and there is plenty of time to move on. But you've got to remember, he's been a pro since he was 18 years of age. Yeah. He's been a pro for six years. It's a long time, in, in, you know, in boxing, especially in heavyweight terms. So, also, you know, we talk about, you know, his, his whole safety-first tactics and everything else. Well, we know there's a history there with him sparring his cousin Tyson. You don't know what that sparring's been like. You know, Tyson's a bigger guy, and you don't know if that's made him box like that, and he's got that sort of negative approach now. Who knows what's gone on, but what we do know is he needs to change it up. Yeah, I mean, what he's doing is good, and it looks good, and he's winning, but it's not enough. He has a wonderful base, doesn't he? A real good base. But what he now needs to do is start to... But it's easy said than done, that belief aspect of certain things. And you're kind of right to bring up the psychological aspects of stuff. That cut might have affected him because we've seen it with other fighters. For me, Anthony Joshua has not been the same guy since Klitschko. He got himself in an absolute ding-dong. He came through it and he's maybe gone back to the dressing room going, I don't want to be doing that too often, lads, you know what I mean? And since then, we've seen him try to box a little bit more. Whereas in those early fights, AJ used to run at opponents and smash him up in two, three rounds, you know what I mean? And get him out of there. Boxing is more what goes on between the ears than what goes on in the gym. Totally agree. It's 80% mental, 20% physical. And you're right, you've touched on two guys there that have, since they're like Huey when he's picked up the cut and he's gone now, safety first, he's boxing on the outside, doesn't work. Anthony Joshua, you're so right, since a Klitschko fight, it's not really boxed the same because he seems to have lost the fire in his belly and that boxing mentality doesn't suit these guys. They started their careers and made their names by going out there and bullying their opponents. Yeah. Yeah. That's where they're good. That's where they're successful. When they try and change it up, these heavyweights, and they try and start boxing on the back foot, that's when they make those fundamental mistakes. You know, that's what happens. We see it with Joshua. He goes back in straight lines. He doesn't really know how to defend. Joshua's style is to go out there and bully opponents, land those big shots. So, you know, I think that that's where he's got to revert back to, Huey, if he wants to get himself back in the mix with the big guys. You know, if he wants to be mentioned up there with the big guys, performances like that, you know, victories like that are not good enough. Mm. That's the bottom line of it. Because of where we're at right now, Absolutely. and people pay big money to be at ringside, they want to see fights, they want to see entertainment. You know, as much as we love Huey Fury, that's not entertaining. That's not enough. And I know he had a guy there that was doing everything he could to make it as awkward as possible. Fight, yeah. And spoiled a fight, hitting him behind the head, hitting him low. But the fact was, he's got a guy there well past his best, standing in front of him. It was a perfect opportunity to really look good. Yeah, I know Peter was trying to be dirty and trying everything, but, you know, he could have done better than that. In, in my option, I think he could have performed better than that. He got the job done, great, move on to the next one. But, yeah, he needs more. Mm. Um, what do you like on modern music, gentlemen? Uh, because uh, we're obviously awaiting Amir Khan versus Billy Dib. 
I have absolutely no idea who is currently on stage rapping away. It seems to be going a bit crazy. In fact, my producer, uh, Matt, now has just buzzed me in my headphones because he's uh, in his early 20s. So he kind of knows that yeah, Rick Ross... Who knows it's Rick Ross? What's wrong with you? Don't give me that, Don McGuinness. Tiger as well. Oh, oh look at this. He's been... <laughs> I was just about to listen, say Listen, these two have just been fed some lines in their no, inners. I've got all his albums. Rock, go on then, name another song. I've got all his 12 inches. Uh, have you? Sweet, <laughs> <laughs> Rick Ross and Tiger are on stage at this moment in time should we, in the crowd. Should we, should, we, should we sing one, Dom? Yeah, should we do it? Do, do it a little it. bit. Do you're, a little you're bit. All right. what, yeah. what I have noticed, though, is that the Jeddah crowd are absolutely loving them. It's going right off. And you've just been mentioning entertainment. Yeah, all right. This isn't, I suppose, what we're used to in the UK. I know the, uh, the Ultimate Boxer, what you're uh, familiar with, uh, Spencer does a similar thing, doesn't it? You know yes. what I mean? They put on boxing events. They have DJs and rappers and various things like that come out and perform for the crowd to give maybe the younger generation coming through something to get stuck into and then maybe fall in love with boxing. And it seems that this is the approach out in Jeddah. Well, that's exactly what they're doing. And you, I'm glad you touched on the Ultimate Boxer because they're trying to capture the younger crowd. They're bringing in influencers. They're bringing in all those guys and they're trying to change it around. Whereas out in Jeddah, they're trying to introduce boxing. Yes. And they're, so they're making it. Listen, this is what I said to you earlier on, Adam, about this now, where boxing's gone now. We're not in the York Halls no more. It's an old school, you know, just hardcore boxing fans. We are now at events. Boxing fights are now, have now become events. They've got rap artists in between. In there, we've got young crowds. Everybody's up, everybody's dancing. So, you know, that's where we're at right now with boxing. Interesting, it has changed. Are you going to give me a line on Tiger now? Are you? No, 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 or Rick no, no. Ross? There was, there was no Tiger or Rick Ross. Callum Smith against George Groves. Okay. So it, the, the crowd's slightly different for this one. The crowd for the World Series of Box, uh, the World Boxing Super Series, I should say, was different because it was just boxing. There was no fun and games. There was a little bit of announcing to the to the crowd and trying to g the crowd up a little bit, but it was just a night of boxing because obviously it was a a different event. It was that organised. German World Boxing Super yeah. Series style with the light show and it's a different crowd tonight and it's a different a different thing tonight. It is a show tonight and that's why you know that the Fury Peter fight it was it was definitely silent because again and it's you know a lot of people in the kingdom are new to boxing so they don't really know what they're watching and you've got to re remember as well what they have had in the kingdom apart from the Callum Smith fight which is the first high profile boxing match that they've ever had WWE and that's all showbiz. Yeah. So they want the showbiz, which is what, of course, we are yeah. witnessing in Jeddah now. Well, we, we kind of see that filter into Formula One, haven't we? I mean, they do, obviously, the Bahrain Grand Prix out there and what have you. And that is a big showcase weekend. There's a lot of music concerts and various things like that that go all around the actual race day. And this seems to be a very similar attitude towards it. Hey, let's put a let's put a big act on, loads of entertainment on for everybody, and in the midst of it, we'll squeeze in a little bit of boxing, and hopefully, people will fall in love with that sport. Well, I think that what's, what's happening not just in boxing, in, in, in all sports now, is that they're trying to capture the younger audience and by doing that the younger audience this is what they like they like that entertainment factor it's all about the music it's like you know it's it, it's a show it's an event yes it's like a it's like a concert with boxing fights in it it's, it, it, it's, it's something slightly different you know all that things are changing now i mean we're seeing it with Eddie Hearn and these shows that he's putting on. They're, you know, they're big events now. They're not just little boxing shows. Yeah. I think that that's the way the sport is going. Well, 
main event time. It is uh, Amir Khan versus Billy Did. That's what we're going to be calling for you here uh, on Fight Night Live here on Talksport. I'm Adam Cattrall, Don McGuinness and Spencer Oliver uh, are alongside me for this Friday night special. Um, we've had one absolute stinker, absolute stinker in uh, Huey Fury uh, versus Samuel Peter. Hopefully the main event is going to give us a little bit uh, something special because Bilal Dib, we know he's been called in at late notice for this fight. This is all about Amir Khan. This is all about showcasing Amir Khan. How much has he got left in the tank? He's just about to be announced to be brought in towards the ring. But from your point of view, Spencer, this is massive for Amir Khan. We saw him at Madison Square Garden against Terence Crawford. Loads of questions of, did he quit? He can't go out on that. This is a stepping stone, a showcase fight in order for the big pockets in the Middle East to bring over a Manny Pacquiao to set him up with his big farewell. Absolutely. This is all about Amir Khan proving that he's still got something left. He can't afford to go out there and box anything but punch perfect tonight. He's got to be spiteful. He's got to be dominant from the opening round. Everybody knows that Billy Dibb's been brought in as an opponent. You know, he's got a three weeks notice. He was three weight divisions below Amir Khan, who's been boxing campaigning at this weight for several years at a high standard with, you know, world pound for pound fighters and winning a lot of good fights at world level as well. Amir Khan, going off his last performance, has got to put it all on the line tonight. Anything with punch perfect's not enough. He's um, If he wants those big fights with Pacquiao, he's got to go out there and perform. Beautiful thing about Amir Khan, is that traditionally he does start fast. He comes straight out the gate. We saw it against Phil LeGreco, didn't we? A lot of chat on that big comeback after the jungle. He comes out there and blows his opponent away in 40 seconds. Listen, I'm not complaining. If that's 40 seconds blowout tonight, I'm happy because then the rhetoric does start to begin for the bigger fights, the proper fights that we want to see him back involved with. Yeah, that's exactly what we're looking for. I'm ex it's exactly what I'm expecting. If Amir Khan can prove to us that he belongs at the top, he's got to go out there and he's got to get the job done in scintillating fashion. He has to go out there and he has to be dominant. You know, he's got... Although he's the heavier guy here and he's, box he's, he's, he's been boxing at World Weight for a number of years now, Billy Dibb was down at Super Featherweight. Actually, the hand speed of Amir Khan is much quicker. And he's got to go out there and he's got to perform. And here he comes now in the ring walk, Amir Khan. Another rapper. Come on, then. You know him, Dom. You're a big rap fan, aren't you? Are you waiting for somebody to tell you in your headphones who this rapper is that is walking Amir Khan to the ring? No, I... Is that a, I just can't, can't see him at the minute. Oh, yeah. From my all right. viewpoint. You've got, all, viewpoint. What I can you've see got all his LPs, haven't you? From my vantage position. <laughs> I've got all his cassettes. <laughs> from my vantage position, I can see Amir Khan now in his flowing white silky robe with gold and black trim as well, looking super cool, super confident as he's making his way. Yeah, he's a little bit of a tiger is doing the ring walk, Adam, by the way. All right, yeah. is it? Yeah, well, I can just see him. him. I can see him. I can yeah. see him. He's just ahead of him now, so... Oh, yeah. yeah I've, uh, You've given his... him a fist bump on the way through, have you? Right, all okay. his top ten hits on the billboard. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great reception he's going to get Amir Khan here when he just turns into the arena. Can you see him at the top, the mouth of the tunnel now as he makes his way in to the arena? There's Pakistani flags all around the arena as well but obviously latching on to the boy from Bolton's heritage there and again we mentioned it earlier on it's a big opportunity for the, the Pakistani community that is embedded in Saudi and also the Filipino community should and it's a you know a big question as well Manny Pacquiao you hear the cheers now as he comes into full view Amir Khan should Manny Pacquiao get beyond Keith Thurman then it's an easy one to make with the two communities that could sell probably any number of tickets in the kingdom and Amir Khan now just takes the applause of the crowd as he makes his way fully into the arena 
And again, a big opportunity for him. I just can't help but think, though, from what we've just seen, obviously he'll want to put on a show, but we know what happened with Terence Crawford. It was a low blow. Well, Huey Fury's taken about eight clean yeah. uppercuts. Again, compare what Amir w was hit with from Crawford no, or absolutely. Huey Fury's just had. But again, not to cast any aspersions on Amir. You know, hopefully he can make a statement and hopefully we can see the final chapter of his career and be a very successful one. Spencer, just a, a quick one before uh, we have the official announcements and this fight gets underway here on Talk Sport. Why do you think Amir Khan gets a bit of a bad rap with, uh, with some uh, British fight fans. Why doesn't he get the credit? Because if you look down his resume, he has been in with some stellar opponents. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's really sad when they pick out you know your Brady's Prescotts and your Danny Garcias and all. You got to look down his record. For, you know when he boxed um, Devin Alexander and when he you know when he put, boxed Maidana. You look at the names that he's beaten. I think he's always he's been hard done by Aaron Khan. I think he's been a great ambassador for the sport, grand ambassador for British boxing, and he's done himself proud right from when he was a 17-year-old kid picking up an Olympic silver medal, and he's never really got to the dues that he deserves. Um, did notice he looks a little nervous here in the ring walk. Mm. You know, he's coming off that loss against Terence Crawford. And I think Amir Khan knows what's on the line here. He knows now he's in the twilight of his career and nothing but a top performance is going to be good enough. And he did look a little nervous, more nervous than I've seen him in the past. Yeah, unusually nervous for him because he's normally at this stage really calm, collected because he knows he can outbox people. It's always the threat of getting chin is the thing that's on the back of his mind but he just seems that maybe the pressure of tonight there's a lot of money that has been invested into this particular fight for him it's set up for him to be special this evening and the possibility of something even greater in the not too distant future i think there is pressure on him as well and this is culturally huge for Mir khan and it shouldn't be underestimated he's been to saudi arabia before but only for umrah when he's been to pilgrimage to mecca this is a chance now I and mean, he's he's a, a massive inspirational figure to, to the Muslim world for, for obviously we've seen the impact that he had on Asian kids in the UK and now he's got an opportunity to do that in the kingdom and you can hear the reception he's got and obviously now everyone on the feet singing the national anthem they, they, they it's huge pressure in a different way that we're used to from here but you know he'll feel it that he's now going to be the, the poster boy for Saudi, Saudi sport potentially you know it was meant to be Naz some time ago but it never happened now Amir Khan's got a chance to just in the, the, the autumn of his career you know, so again, it's probably a very different thing that he's feeling tonight. Yeah, a lot of lot of pressure on him just for all the right reasons you've pointed out there, Dom. And we saw that in the ring walk there. He did look nervous and it looked like there was a lot of pressure on his shoulders. You know, the, 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 there's a lot of riding on this fight tonight. Not just his career, but what he's trying to do out there. You know, they're, they're trying to promote him out there. Ooh. Trying to, you know, trying to make him a lot bigger than he already is. And this is a big, big opportunity for him. So, of course, there's pressure there. Uh, you listen to Fight Night Live on TalkSport. I'm Adam Catterall, Don McGuinness and Spencer Oliver uh, alongside me. Just in case you uh, are just joining us uh, on this broadcast, earlier on, Huey Fury and Samuel Peter had an absolute stinker of a fight uh, where Samuel Peter uh, retired uh, from the fight. He threw out his right shoulder and then told the referee he threw out his left shoulder. Honestly, it was crazy. Uh, we've also had a little bit of news from the football world come our way because we understand that Fabian Delft uh, to Everton is a done deal. So if you're an Evertonian, you're getting a new player. Fabian Delft, 8 million quid. We're expecting that to be officially announced tomorrow. If you want more news on it, it's all over our website, talksport.com and talksport2. In the world of boxing, a fight that has been confirmed over the last hour is a trip to Russia for Anthony Yard. We knew it was happening. Uh, all we wanted is the actual confirmation. And now it is a sign sealed and delivered. August 24th. In deepest, darkest Russia, he's going full Rocky 4. Anthony Yard taking on Sergei Kovalev for the WBO 
Light Heavyweight Championship of the World. An absolute cracking fight to look forward to in August. And hopefully, the week after, we might have something with Lomachenko's name confirmed for Luke Campbell. Fingers crossed, August 31st in London, it is looking like. We'll keep you up to date with that uh, throughout the course of time here on TalkSport. But as I said, this is Fight Night Live on TalkSport. I'm Adam Catterall. Time to get over to our commentary team this evening because in the ring right now, Amir Khan. Can he roll back the years? What has he got left? He's taking on Billy Dibb in Jeddah. Spencer Oliver will be calling the fight alongside Don McGuinness. Billy Dibb looks focused in his corner with Nettles Nassius, who's been helping him prepare in the last three weeks. Of course, a replacement for the Indian, Niraj Guyat, who is the original opponent for Amir Khan. Well, round one begins with this scheduled 12-rounder. This, of course, for the vacant WBC international welterweight title. Khan is letting those hands go. Oh, big left hand, and Dibb is down. Well, the hook from Khan as Dibb just went in. Khan could see him coming in. He caught him on the way in. Khan going to go for the kill. Khan steps in, in that blue corner. And Dibb is holding on for dear life. He's touched canvas already. Now Khan stuns him with a shot to the head and body. And then two hooks to the body. Left hook and the towel comes in from the corner. Dibb's corner have seen enough. Well, it didn't take much. As soon as Khan let those shots go to the body, the hooks to the body, finished with the left to the head. Dibb went to the canvas and it's quite right. Uh, the dulcet tones of Don McGuinness and Spencer Oliver calling you through that fight. It's Fight Night Live here on TalkSport. I'm Adam Catterall. Those two gentlemen alongside me for this Friday night special. Uh, we had Huey Fury against Samuel Peter earlier on. We're not going to talk about it again. But we have just had uh, Amir Khan against Bilal Dib. We thought that Amir Khan would be fast. We thought that he would get a finish. And we thought that it would be in the first half of the fight. We got everything that we expected, didn't we, Spencer? Yep, I think um, Amir Khan delivered. He, he done what he had to do. He went out there, he took his time in the first round, just tried to ease his way back into it. After that loss against Terence Crawford, he didn't want to take any chances. Was just feeling Billy Dib out. From the second round, he pushed on, slipped the shot of Billy Dib, landed that left hook, and that's where he started to take over. He took complete control, switching the bot shots to the body, to the head. The final shot was the right hand through the middle. Then he switched the attacks downstairs. Two big body shots went in, left hook over the top. The towel come in as Billy Dib was going down, and, 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 and the corner wanted no more, nor did Dib. And I thought it was a good performance from Amir Khan. He needed that. Um, yeah, onwards and upwards. Well, you say that because you look at that fight, you think to yourself, well, not everything has to lead to something. We know it will, but not everything does have to lead to something. And you look at that there, and he's been paid extremely well for a lovely little uh, soiree out in uh, the Middle East. He's uh, got a victory. He's got a victory in good style. And nobody would blame him if he decided to hang the gloves up now and call time on a fantastic career. But this is Amir Khan. We know that it's going to lead to something. We know that there's another rhetoric somewhere. Is your gut instinct that the Middle East now, the guys with the big pockets out there, are going to start trying to build a fight between Amir Khan and Manny Pacquiao? 100%. That's where Amir Khan now is going to finish his career out in the Middle East. He's been well paid, some, somewhere in the region of £7 million for that this evening. And you're right, he's got some big pockets around him and they're going to try and lure one of the big names in, whether it's Manny Pacquiao 
we don't know what's going to happen with Manny Pacquiao and Keith Furman on, on um, July the 20th and I think that will determine whether Pacquiao's pulled in or not if Pacquiao wins then they'll probably try and get him otherwise they might try and lure someone like Floyd Mayweather out we know Mayweather loves the money he calls himself the money and he'll be chasing it you know but one of those names they've got the pockets to get one of those names on, over there and I believe that's what will happen for Amir Khan I think even if Pacquiao, if you think about it, even if he gets beat... I agree. Now, because the thing is, then, it's, it's kind of in many ways, it's easier to make. And also, it won't matter. The fanatical Fili Filipino support that Pacquiao would have in Saudi, because of the reasons we mentioned before, so many Filipinos work and live in Saudi. And you know what his fans are like. And Filipinos are just, you know, he, he is obviously, he's, he's godlike. He's a god to them, yeah. Uh, and again, and Amir Khan, with the Pakistani community in Saudi, you've seen the reception that he got in Jeddah. He is their their boy now now and anyone by the way giving khan grief for getting super well paid for a fight like that that he's taken in his stride and obviously he's barely broke sweat and how can anyone begrudge him you know if you're lucky enough to be in a position that someone wants to pay you for that they they're quite happy with the, the product that khan has he, brought to he the is table. only in that position don because of the work that went before it he's earned course, the opportunity this evening anyone begrudging him well then it's, it's ridiculous i mean good luck to anybody that can command that for for you know for fighting a fellow three weights below and i mean you know again fair play to khan it's not his fault if anyone's going to pay him that money we'd all do it Mm. Yeah, come on. I mean, Amir Khan's had a long, extensive career, and he's given us value for money. Every fight Amir Khan's in, by the way, he fights with his heart on his yep. sleeve. Win or lose, we get entertaining fights. You rarely see, or you've, I've never seen Amir Khan in a boring fight. I think, he, yeah, I, I think the guy deserves that 110 percent you know he's, he's given us entertainment over the years everyone deserves an, an, an easy night and he got one there but we knew that before the fight started this is all about setting up the future of saudi arabia boxing out in the middle east that's what this was about tonight mm. um so there's the disappointment for the majority of fight fans listening to this because everybody seems to be on that bandwagon of emir khan against kel brook oh he's ducking kel brook he has to fight kel brook the kel brook fight will be there forever they'll probably come out of retirement in the 60s and probably ever end up having that fight the fact is there is more of a chance of seeing Amir Khan fight Manny Pacquiao than there is of seeing Amir Khan fight Kel Brook in the not too distant future yeah I, I totally agree I think that's the fight that they want out there in Saudi that's the fight that they're, they're all pushing for you know out in Jeddah the, you know, the princes want that they've got the pockets and they'll get it if they want it they'll buy it and Manny Pacquiao as you know as we know will go he's all about the money as well mm. the guy and, and he's going to be a superstar and you're right Dom win or lose against Furman he may still feel there's one big fight out there because let me tell you he'll get massive money to go out there and 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 I, and I believe the fight will still happen win yeah. or lose I think lose wise as Dom rightfully pointed out it's a little bit easier if Manny Pacquiao comes through Keith Thurman and he beats Keith Thurman and he unifies that regular and super belt right there's going to be clambers for the other boys like the Errol Spences of this world and the Porters of this world and maybe even the Crawfords of this world who want to unify that division and I'm sure they'll throw some coin at him no question about it it'll be big pay-per-view in the States but these guys have got deeper pockets than that that's exactly what I was going to say as you was talking there Adam I was going to say listen win or lose the fight is easily made the only thing that is from Manny Pacquiao's point of view is if he wins he gets much more money because they'll have to pay more money but yeah. they will pay it that's the point so you know I think that yeah it's an easier fight to make if he loses because it won't cost as much money but ultimately they'll pay it whatever yeah and from a markability point of view how good is that for the Middle East in Jeddah or wherever they decide to stick that fight Manny Pacquiao Amir Khan 
builders the welterweight world championship well there'd be a belt of some description on the line anyway wouldn't there? i mean there's a belt on the line but tonight, if it's a legitimate world championship yeah. the wba world championship then we're talking big the problem is if pacquiao beats thurman then again he won't be able to help himself 40 years of age or not he'll feel that he's still got it he'll feel that he wants to get in with crawford he'll feel that he wants to go out you know again with a load of belts around his waist and but this is a fellow that he's going to be running the philippines some point soon yeah if he was to fight in say he loses to thurman it's, it's part of the campaign trail to go to saudi he's, he's, he's meeting his you know the electorate he's, he's out in saudi to to meet some of his people because you know as i say there are thousands and thousands of filipinos based there so not only would he have a fight be it an elevated exhibition whatever it is against amir khan you know it, it's almost clever from his political perspective as well to do that to, he could almost go on a, on, a, on a world tour to the filipino diaspora and fight <laughs> wherever wherever a fight, a fight like that makes sense because no doubt about it he's gonna be running that country in a couple of years what for kel brook because it looks like the WBO are going to call Terence Crawford's mandatory, and I thought that that might be the obvious option for him, because um, Al Herman has got the majority of the welterweights in a round-robin tournament. He manages the majority of them. He's got them all tied up. We've got Spence against Porter. That's a unification that's going on. We know that Thurman and Pacquiao are going at it. The other guy with the belt is Terence Crawford, who can't seem to get a knock. It looks like, with him being the WBO champion, they're going to call his mandatory. What does Kel Brook do? Can he get a fight? Can he get a fight at 154? Who does he fight? Well, this is the problem, Adam. Now, there was a lot of rumours circulating a couple of months ago, as you guys probably were, were well aware that uh, Kel Brook was going to retire. And I spoke to people quite close to Kel Brook who told me the same thing. Then Kel Brook comes out making a statement saying, no, I only want the big fights. I'm not retiring. I'm just looking for the big fights. Well, guess what? The big fights are not there. They're all tied up. So what, where does that leave Kel Brook? Because I don't believe that he'll fight anyone less than your Terence Crawfords, than your Amir Khans. They're the fights that he wants at this stage of his career. I'm just not sure he's going to get them. Yeah. Which might force him into retirement because I don't see him dropping down a level. Kel Brook, as I know, I know feels that he's got a fight, maybe two fights maximum left in his career. We know he's had a long, hard career. We've seen the wear and tear on him. You know, he's getting cheek broken cheekbones. Then he gets the other cheekbone broken. Listen, he's in it now for his pension. He's looking for the big payday. And he needs that against Amir Khan, against the Manny Pacquiao, against the Crawford, against the Spence. They're the fights that he wants. But you're right, Adam, they're tied up. So I don't know where it leaves Kel. And it's, um, he's in an unfortunate situation. Mm. It's amazing how... There's, there's no comparison when it comes to the resume between Amir Khan and Kel Brook. Amir Khan has most certainly got the most stellar resume. But if you look at the back end of their careers, they're starting to mirror each other a little bit, aren't they? You know what I mean? They've, they both made crazy decisions to go up in weights to fight some of the very, very best that the world has got to offer. Amir doing that with Canelo. You had, uh, obviously, Kel jumping in at last minute with Triple G. They both kind of got ruined a little bit off both of those guys, and they've not really found their feet since. They're starting to mirror each other a touch. Do you know what I think it was with Kel and Amir and why they've steered clear of each other a little bit and they both jumped up and you mentioned Canelo there and you mentioned Triple G, they both got paid massive money for that and that's why they jumped up because for the financial reward but a lot of it's about ego with these two, these two know that if they pull it in the, on the line, they box each other that's how they're going to be remembered and, and, and you know they're both from the same country and, they, and you don't want to lose to one of your guys from the same, same country and I think it's all about ego and all yeah. about that, you know, losing that legacy so look, if you jump up and you box Canelo and you get knocked out by Canelo then that's it it's just been forgotten that you've been knocked out by a power found champ if you get beat by Amir Khan or you get beat by Kel Brook that's what you're remembered for and I think that's what the problem has been making this fight 
I think that the guys don't want to put their egos or their legacies on the line. That's that's my own no, opinion. I would agree from Amir Khan's point of view on that. I think Kel Brook needs Amir Khan a lot more than Amir Khan needs Kel Brook. I think that there's just some similarities with the Ricky Hatton Jr. Witter situation going back all those years. I mean, Witter was from Bradford, but he was an Ingle man. He was a Sheffield fighter. And there was all the Manchester fight. The Manchester and Sheffield had a bit of a rivalry in the two kind of camps. Hatton and Manchester. And, and again, you know, they both had world titles at the same time and they couldn't make that fight. And again, it's not like these two have got world titles now. But, but Ricky openly said thing. that he didn't want to give him the payday. He did. Well, again, he openly uh, said these that. Two, these two, I mean, are both claiming to be the A-side still. <laughs> Ricky was obviously, and Ricky was, in terms of fan base and everything else, the, the, you know, you, you couldn't argue Ricky was the A-side because what the numbers he could pull in. Yeah. But Witter was a genuine world champion. And, and I think that it was, it was a lose-lose for Ricky because Ricky's point was well, he can't sell a ticket. Why should I give him that? But it's because it was risky for him. And again, it was like Spencer said, it's ego and, and saving face and all the rest of it. So there are similarities there. And, and, you know, again, you know, who knows what might happen? They might end up, they might end up in Jeddah. Yeah, you never know that. That is, that is a great possibility. But you're right, Adam, in what you say is Kel Brook's the one that's been chasing it. Kel's been, you know, even willing to take a pay cut on it. You know, we spoke to Kel and he's openly um. said, let's get the fight on, Amir. I'll do it in your backyard, mm. do it on your terms. I just want the fight. And to come to a weight that he struggled making. He, yeah. made, he struggled to make 147 now. And that was the crazy thing, that when he said that he'd come down to 147 to make the fight. Now, we know Kel Brook struggled for years to make 147. He moved up to 154. Now, let me tell you, speaking as an ex-fighter, when you move up in weight and you struggled for years to make it, you never get back down. So if he would have made that weight, he would have literally been dead at the weight. And yeah. Amir Khan would start heavy favourite, but Khan still wasn't ready to put that on the line. Now, if the fight was made at 150, 152, I'll go with Kel Brook. If the fight's made at 147, I'll go with Amir Khan big time. And yet, he still didn't want to do it. He didn't want to risk the legacy. That's why I'm not sure the fight will ever happen, especially out in Saudi, because Amir Khan's trying to create a big name for himself. I'm not sure it's going to happen. Uh, you listen to Fight Night Live on TalkSport. I'm Adam Catterall. Don McGuinness and Spencer Oliver are alongside me for this Friday night special. Do stick with us, because we've got an hour left of the show. There's plenty to talk about from the world of boxing. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. You listen to Fight Night Live on TalkSport. I'm Adam Catterall, Don McGuinness and Spencer Oliver alongside me for this Friday night special. Amir Khan's done the business against Billy Dib and Huey Fury. Uh, got the victory against Samuel Peter, but it was nothing short of messy. Uh, we'll talk about those fights a little bit later on. I think we should move on uh, to other things that are going on in the world of boxing. Uh, tomorrow night at the O2 Arena, there's a stellar card. Two young, hungry British heavyweights are putting it all on the line for the Lonsdale belt. Who will come out victorious? Earlier on today, I caught up with Frank Warren for a little bit of a chat about that big night. Um, just reiterating on what we uh, spoke about in Las Vegas, um, this fight between two undefeated young heavyweights. You've got to be mental to be putting this on at this stage, haven't you? I didn't want to put it on. They <laughs> wanted it. I tried to get them to pull out and do it maybe in nine months' time, maybe a year's time, when it, I thought you know, the public would know more. But they wouldn't. neither of them would pull out, so it is what it is. So um, the public has stuck with a great fight. But regarding them as well, you've got to give them credit because both of these yeah. young men have obviously shouted for it and they want to do it. They have. I mean, there's no love lost between them. I don't think. I don't. Well, I don't mean all that put on promotional stuff. They just, you know, they don't seem to get on. And it seems there's something there that they they, they need to settle, and they're going to sell it in a ring on Saturday. Well, we're looking forward to it. There's a there's a beautiful mix of styles here, isn't there? There's one extremely powerful puncher. There's one extremely quick puncher. Yeah. You must be. Uh, are you? When you, when you put fights like this on with two of your guys, you must be incredibly torn when you're oh, watching this. You're sitting there on your, sitting on your hands looking. I wait, when I watch fights, I always look for what, not what they're doing well, what they're not, what they're not doing well and what, the, you know, what the weaknesses are. So you, that's where I always you're shouting out and encouraging them. So I've got to just bite my tongue, not allow that to happen. But, you know, I think they're both good boxers. I think Daniel's underestimated as a boxer and I think that and uh, Nathan's underestimated, underestimated as a puncher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think, you know, it's going to be a bit of both. It's going to be a great contrast in styles, and I think we're going to get something a little bit special. Uh, regarding Joe, is he the best matched heavyweight out there at this moment in time? I mean, what is he now? Nine, ten fights into his professional career, and he's he's not fighting any mugs at all, any time? No, he's not. He's fighting a guy in Jennings who... Uh, Dillian White's fighting in a couple of weeks' time, isn't he? Uh, I think Saturday week against a guy called Reaver, mm-hmm. and Dillian's ra- ranked by a couple of organisations number one or number two in the in, in the world. The guy he's fighting Reavers, um, Jennings was beating him for 11 and a half rounds, well in front on all the judges' scorecards till he got clipped and went over. So that's the level that Joe's taking in his tenth fight. So it's a bit of a step up for him, and uh, this guy's got experience. He's uh, He's fast, he's, got, he's, a, he's quite a decent boxer. So it's going to be interesting to see how he copes with it. He's not in any easy fight at all. None of the guys are in easy fights. No. Regarding, there'll be a lot of fans obviously thinking, well, the winner of 
what you would class as the main event might meet Joe, Joe at some point this year but will Joe be may, maybe a little bit too far advanced will he have his eyes on other prizes well, maybe a world title eliminator or something I think the, he, I think he, he has got it in his mind to move forward he's looking to get the eliminator which basically gets him in a position to fight Manuel Jarl this fight yeah. coming up on Saturday so I'm sure if that happens then he will be wanting to go in that direction but we would love to make the winner of, uh, of, of uh, Jack, uh, Daniel and um, Nathan with him at some stage and we will do that mm. what's the latest with uh, Anthony Yard I know I asked you in Vegas and it was close is it any closer I'm right this is not going live is it no nope. at 12 o'clock there's supposed to have been an announcement made from Russia that the fight was on for the 24th of August that's in Russia where, that's where it's supposed to be announced at midday now I don't know whether they've done it or not yet or not um, but that's where we are okay um, regarding Josh Warrington we've spoken to him recently He's come through his fight with Kid Galahad. He's absolutely chomping at the bit, maybe to go to the States, maybe Leo Santa Cruz. Are we anywhere down the line with that? They don't want to fight him. We've been working very hard and uh, hard on trying to get it together, and it's it's being difficult. We're still continuing to work on it. I'm seeing him tomorrow. He's coming down for the fight, and we'll have another little chat and see where we are. But whatever happens, he will fight in October. Okay. finally, Billy Joe Saunders. Can we get him a fight? We're in the same problem with him. You know, at the moment, because of all this talk about Kovalev and Canelo, and Golovkin and Canelo, everything's up in the air. Until Canelo decides who he's going to fight, then we can see what the opportunities are. In the meantime, whatever happens, he will fight in September. The, do you think Team Smith might revisit the offer that you uh, sent their way? No, I don't. I don't think they want to know. They didn't even, I mean, we made the offer on the 6th of June. Um, he was unaware of it. Um, uh, Callum, they didn't let him know. We, let, we got the message to him and I sent him a copy of the message to make sure that he was aware of it but the response that come back was negative in fact Joe Gallagher I think did an interview on Sky saying that um, it wasn't enough money the guarantee which is a a big seven figure sum and that 50-50 wasn't good enough they wanted more money you know why should he get more than the other guy 50-50 Billy Joe Saunders a double weight world champion British Olympian etc etc it's a 50-50 deal. Put it down the middle. I don't get where they, you know, where they all come to with these guys. They make, they, there's two ways of avoiding a fight, saying, I don't want the fight, or pricing yourself out of it. Two ways to make sure a fight doesn't happen. Mm. Just finally, I know that Ben's pressing you to get involved in the press conference. Feb 22nd, Tyson says it's on. Is it on? Got to see what happens both the guys before then. You know, Tyson's got a fight in uh, late September, early October. He comes through that OK, and if... Uh, uh, Deontay comes through against Ortiz. It will go on early in the new year. I'll see you back in Vegas then. Fingers <laughs> crossed. <laughs> Thank you, mate. Earlier on, uh, regarding everything that's going on with Queensbury Promotions, there's loads to pick out there. Uh, but first of all, I just want to concentrate on those two young heavyweights having a little bit of a knock tomorrow at the O2 Arena. For a British fight fan, this is mouthwatering because politics and various things gets in the way of some of the fights that we want to see and it gets extremely frustrating but when you've got two young hungry up-and-comers they're both in their early 20s both undefeated both high knockout percentages both tip for superstardom when they call for the fight because you just heard from their promoter there frank warren he was thinking i could do an extra year on this just to marinate it and maybe make them avoid them a little bit and maybe persuade them to go down different routes it's the fighters that have come out and says no I want him, let's get it on. That's got to be a mind, on it, Spencer. Listen, I love that. I mean, it's brilliant. We we rarely see that these days. We know the fighters are protected and they're steered in different directions and it's all the politics that don't pull them together. We're just talking about Kelbrook and Amir Khan. That should have happened five years ago. We're talking about two young prospects here. One of them, Daniel Dubar, 11-0, 10 KOs. Mm. Nathan Gorman, 16-0, 11 KOs. 
it's a great fight. It's a great fight. Devoir's been the one that's sort of been pushed forward. He's been in the spotlight a little bit. People know who he is. People, you know, know, know more about him. Gorman's been boxing sort of under the radar a little bit on the small shows. Cousin of Big Tyson Fury. He's feeling really confident. I think the general, you know, the general fight, fight experts, if you like, call it a 50-50 fight they really do they that no one can sort of like you get different views from all your different pundits yeah who they think is going to win will it be the power of dubois will it be the, the technical boxing ability of gorman we don't know that until the first bell goes but what we do know is you're right adam they're putting it on the line and it's good to see because i'll tell you what the loser comes back yeah i think they both go out of this with credibility anyway they've put it on the line so they've got my ultimate respect straight away and I think that it's going to be a war it's going to be a great contest stylistically this is good man it's like yeah I'm excited for this one absolutely we put too much stresses in the world of boxing don't we Dom on those undefeated records it's ridiculous um, this one actually with I think Frank actually promoted the, what, the fact that I'm going to refer to uh, the Gale and Groves way back in the day when they were both young up and comers they hadn't been to the top level as of yet we know what they achieved in their careers they both went on to become world champions this one kind of reminds me a lot of that narrative going into the fight tomorrow night yeah, and the GB set up the fact that they, ought, they shared the ring depends on who you talk to out the two fighters, either 300 proper open spars or lots of technical sparring, so you can't read anything into it. Dubois seems to play down the sparring as if it was just technical, it was blah, blah, blah. Nathan Gorman seems to think that he had the better of him in sparring and there was plenty of open spar rounds. And So there is that story, and that's where, obviously, it's similar to De Gale and Groves in that they were Dale Youth together and yeah. that competition. I don't want to scuffer it, but remember, in more recent memory, we've had a Coley-Chamberlain. Oh. <laughs> Two unbeaten kids at a very young stage of their careers, and that was a stinker. But really, when you look at it, this is different in that, you know, these have got great amateur pedigree, and, and to, you know, the, as I say, the GB setup, and I, I don't think that's going to happen. The heavyweights for a start, yeah. and, and with the, their style should gel so much better than that. Their fight. style should mix beautifully, shouldn't they? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, listen, the Wacom couldn't be in a boring fight because of his style he's he's similar to Anthony Joshua in his style whereas he he goes there he takes center the center of the ring and he loads up and he trades and when his opponent comes back at him he doesn't retreat he mixes fire with fire now when you've got that in a heavyweight that's exciting because Dubois was speaking to Martin Bowers his trainer yesterday actually speaking to him about the fight how it can be won how it can be lost they don't see that it can be lost they don't see that at all you know they, they he said I've studied everything and we just see a victory he said I don't know the method of the victory we've trained trained for 12 rounds we've trained hard for 12 rounds you mentioned Lawrence Lawrence Acoli that's been one of their sparring partners Lawrence Acoli's been in there they've had the uh, big Martin Bacoli he's been there as well so they've had the speed they've had the power they've, they've left no stone unturned they really fancy this one speak to Gorman's camp you know to the Ricky Hatton camp they're the same they really fancy it so you're not going to get a boring oh. boring fight here you're going to get a slugfest you're going to get two guys that go and mix it you pump me up now I've got to wait 24 hours for that fight um Stick with us because we are going to talk about a couple of the other things that Frank was just mentioning there because uh, this evening it has now been confirmed uh, that Anthony Yard will be travelling to deepest, darkest Russia to the Kazakh border to take on uh, Sergei Kovalev for the WBO Light Heavyweight Championship of the World. We'll have a little bit of a chinwag about that and a couple of other things as well that uh, he brought up in that conversation that I had with him earlier on today. You're listening to Fight Night Live on TalkSport. 
This is Fight Night Live on TalkSport. I'm Adam Catterall. Don McGuinness and Spencer Oliver are alongside me earlier on. Amir Khan took care of Billy Dib within four rounds. Sensational performance from him. Hand speed still there, no question about it. What next for him? Those questions still unanswered. Uh, Huey Fury and Samuel Peter is a fight that I wouldn't like to talk about again, but Huey Fury came through it uh, after a very, very ugly bout. Just a quick one away from the world of boxing. TalkSport understands that Fabian Delft uh, to Everton is a done deal. £8 million will be confirmed tomorrow. More information on that on TalkSport.com. We've had a couple of fights as well announced uh, throughout the course of this show, including uh, Anthony Yard taking on Sergei Kovalev for the WBO Light Heavyweight Championship of the World. Confirm that for August 24th in Russia. Now, tomorrow night at the O2 Arena, we've just been speaking about a fantastic fight between two British heavyweights. Uh, in uh, Daniel Dubois and Nathan Gorman. Also on that card, Joe Joyce is fighting and he's taking on Bryant Jennings. Everybody knows who Bryant Jennings is because he's been in with the very, very best that the world has had to offer. And I caught up with him a little bit earlier on today to find out his thoughts on the fight. I'm excited. You know, the wait is over. You know, it's the end of a long camp and it's time to go. Showtime. It's all about the show, mate. It's all about the show. Let's talk about your recent fights because a lot of people obviously have been mentioning the Oscar Rivas fight of late that, that you uh, were winning until uh, that, uh, yeah. that last round. You must look back at that with maybe a little bit of disappointment now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that caused a, a great disappointment for me. Uh, it, was very, it, was, it was very emotional afterwards. You know, uh, I didn't shed a tear. I don't know why I can't cry no more, but damn. But, you know, I felt it, though. I felt it, like, on the inside, like... Man, but, you know, I, I understood, you know, I went back and I, I thought about some of the things that, you know, that either I've done or I, some of the things that I've allowed, you know, uh, to take over uh, mental, like having men that, that mental energy, you know, during camp or, you know, um, and I, 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 I charged it to that. And I understood that, yo, the focus is real because as, as, as focused as a person as I am, you know, um, with my discipline, diet, you know, workout regimen and, and my work ethic, um, distraction could still seep in. And it's like, wow, like you like the most the most focused person can get distracted. It's with that then in mind, going into a fight like this at the weekend, because a lot of people here in the UK are, are looking at Joe and they're thinking he's been well matched as a, as a young pro, even though he's not a young man, he's a young pro. He's been well matched and he's he's marching towards what a lot of people are saying, maybe a shot at a Manuel Char or something like that. Yeah. Is this the type of fight then that you need to keep the fires burning, to keep the motivation? Because you know full well that if you can do him, then it's you that's going to be moving forward for those types of fights. Yeah, well, you know, uh, it's always, I'm always searching for progress. You know, uh, regardless of any setbacks or anything, we're always searching for progress. So yeah, yeah, we got to walk and talk. So we're going to keep this live. Please don't stop that. We're going to walk and talk and we're going to do this thing how we're supposed to do it. But no, I'm always looking for progress. And um and yeah, a win, a win is always progress. And even within that loss, it shows that, you know, there's still opportunities, you know, because it's not over, you know, I'm not done. They're not, they're not done with me. And they still, you know, I still have other opportunities to be able to, you know, to redeem myself. What do you see in Joe when you've obviously watched tape of him? What do you see? Because he's, he's not what you would class as a, a traditional looking fighter, is he? Yeah, I, I, see, I see a lot of, I see a lot of things. Uh, I see a lot of things that, uh, that he falls in and uh and that you know that he's that he's that he's not as good in. um but you know that's that's what a lot of fighters but you know the styles make fights so regardless of what you see you have to make sure that you correctly capitalize on whatever you see and um and within and within each each fight it takes one round at a time 
because anything could happen. You know, and also the guy has, uh, you know, pretty much a lot of heavyweights. Majority of the heavyweights have power to where it's though. Regardless of what your plan, your strategy is, when you get hit, it goes right out the door. So that goes both ways, you know, with with his strategy against me and with my strategy against him. I like the way that you're making me look really small now by standing up. By standing well, shit, yeah, well, yeah, because you know these guys be making me look look look, look quite short, but uh, but no, yeah, 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 no, it's uh, I'm excited. On this platform, uh, fighting on a Queensbury platform, Frank Warren uh, show here in the in the UK, you know full well that he also looks after Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury's looking for. A, yeah. uh, an opponent at this moment yeah, in time yeah. that must excite you as well. Uh, well I don't. I don't. I, I learned not to think past nothing, man. It's, you know, a lot of times, even with that, uh, even when I, when I mentioned earlier in, in, in this interview, um, was saying that certain distractions could could seep in, and you know, sometimes like we may look at things like, yo, if I do this, then you know, then after that, then this must be happen. hard or not to do that. Yeah, now. I know it's hard because I know it's hard, pause. But it's like, it's like it's something that you have to. You have to like put 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 to the side. So any any answer any questions about that, you know, I'll give I'll give very bland answers and very like you know maybe even nonchalant answers or no answers at all because that 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 does not interest me at the moment. Uh, Brian Jennings uh, speaking to me a little earlier on. He's the man that will be facing Joe Joyce at the O2 Arena, and I've got to say, he was in great shape at the weigh-in. He looks well. He talks well. There's a confidence about the kid. Joe's in a proper fight, let me tell you, tomorrow night. Do you fancy Bryant to get the job done, Spencer? Well, i tell you what, I think he's definitely got a shot. He definitely got a shot. I'm amazed how he's been written off, really, Jennings. Um, he's been written off on his last defeat where he got knocked out against Oscar um, Rivez. Yeah, and, and I don't know why he's been written off for that, because he was winning the fight hands down. Yeah. Got caught in the 12th round. It happens. And, yeah, and, and he was just knocked out. Listen, size is a big factor. Joyce is big. He comes with good pedigree. But Jennings is in a real shot here. Listen, he's coming. If you look into the mental side of things here, Jennings will realise he'll see where Rivers is now. He's boxing on box office, on Sky, top of the build a week after. He's going to realise he was like 30 seconds away from that. He's going to want to put the wrongs right, and he'll see that as a massive opportunity against Joyce, who is physically very strong. He's a little one-dimensional at times. Not technically the best boxer out there. Just got a really good engine and keeps pressing on. But Jennings showed us in the Rivers fight that actually he can mix it up a little yeah. bit. He's tough. He's bringing a lot of time. Joyce having only his 10th pro fight here, he's putting it on the line, man, because he's got a big reputation. They could have quite easily built him slow. I know they're rushing him through, rushing him through the ranks. This is a difficult fight. By far the most difficult fight of Joyce's career. And... Yeah, I'm not sure who's going to win that. It's an absolute cracking, cracking fight. Regarding Bryant Jennings, uh, if, if we were to look at skill set, I would say that Jennings is the more skilled fighter, the, the better fighter to watch, let's say, whereas Joyce is a little bit unorthodox. When you watch him fight, it's not a traditional style. However, he is teak tough. He can, he's made out of concrete, is Joe Joyce, and that concrete toughness could actually break Jennings' heart because Jennings could put it on him for a good six rounds and Joyce could still be there walking forward terminate juggernaut style you know and that I think could be a big factor if he loses heart in this Jennings later on in the fight come come back and bite him in the backside a little bit 
Yeah, I, I, I definitely. I think that, listen, I, this is the way that I see the fight going on. Obviously, Joyce is going to come out of the traps and he's going to come out like he normally does, throwing punches like a bantamweight. He stalks forward, his feet cross. He does everything wrong, by the way. Yeah. Technically, he does everything wrong and I think he's so disjointed that it actually makes it difficult for his opponents to read and that's why he gets success. But the problem that Joyce has got is that he's easy to hit. Really easy to hit. Jennings, as you alluded to, has got great boxing skill set. He's got a good boxing IQ. And he'll move around and he'll move around. And he'll try and take Joyce into those waters that he hasn't been to, those deep waters, into the later rounds, into the penultimate rounds, where he'll feel that he'll get his success. You know, as heavyweight boxers, you can't keep taking... We talk about Joyce's durability, and we've seen that. But he's not really been in with a live opponent Yeah, that's yet. fair point. I mean... At some point, someone's going to get him. Bermain Stefan was not a live opponent. Yes, he had a good history. And, you know, he put up great performances against Deontay Wilder, losing on points. That was a long time ago. You know, he looked like a guy. Let's have it right. Let's put it on the line. He looked like the guy that just come out of a pub when he boxed yeah. against Joe Joyce. His, short, his belly was hanging over his shorts. He was a shadow of his former self. This guy is a live wire. And he's coming to win. You look at them, and obviously Joe Joyce is, is this huge beast. You know, he's a typical modern super heavyweight, if you like, and, and Jennings is a heavyweight. So you look at them, and, and there's a massive size difference, but you're talking about Stavern's belly. Well, Jennings is in supreme condition. He is, honestly. He's, he's, he's ripped. Exactly. Now, for a, for a heavyweight, I mean, a heavyweight can always look a bit fleshy. It's not a problem, you know. I mean, we're talking about Gorman and Dubois, but... It's never Tyson, been in, the best one in the world, in my well, opinion. Uh, he's a bit fleshy, Tyson, isn't he? But if you go through history, Larry Holmes or whatever, you know, yeah, carrying a bit of flesh for a heavyweight is not a big deal because they're not making weight. But when you see someone like Jennings come in, you, you can see how seriously he's taken it. He's got a few blips, only three blips on his record. And again, with that experience, and the freaky thing about it is you look at them and obviously it's like chalk and cheese in terms of height. He's got a bigger reach than Joyce. He's, he's, he's got longer, four, arms, uh, longer yeah. arms. He's got, again, it, it, it can be so awkward for Joyce when and, you look at it. And it's also, it's where they're at in their careers, the stage they're at. Jennings has been mixing it at world level now for a number of years. Joyce hasn't. Joyce has been boxing your regular guys that are put in front of you either well over the hill with good names or guys that are not particularly good anyway. That can play a massive factor as the fight rolls on. Mm. And, and it's the veteran against a novice. They're a year apart in age. Yeah, that's mad. That is mad. Um, that is set for a cracker. In fact, the whole card tomorrow night is set for a cracker. Uh, we're going to be speaking a little bit more about the fights that are going to be on the O2 uh, tomorrow night. There's a couple of other things that I want to uh, touch upon as well uh, from the world of boxing. So do stick with us. This is Fight Night Live on Talk Sport. You listen to Fight Night Live on TalkSport. I'm Adam Cattrall, Don McGuinness and Spencer Oliver are alongside me. Uh, Amir Khan's beaten Billy Dib earlier on in Jeddah, as has Huey Fury taking out uh, Samuel Peter in a very, very dirty fight. Uh, Samuel Peter um, threw his shoulder out. We don't know which shoulder he threw out, but he threw one of them out and uh, he ended up getting the fight pulled. Um, like I said, you listen to TalkSport. We've got a special show coming for you tomorrow night as well. Make sure you come and join us uh, from 7 o'clock. Check this out, gentlemen. Julius Francis is joining me on the show for uh, an hour tomorrow. We're going to talk Tyson and the like. He has got some mad stories, that fella. Can't wait for it. So from 7 o'clock, make sure you come and join us uh, for that. Uh, now, um, I want to continue talking heavyweights because Spencer's knee-deep in uh, Dillian White news next week. It's Dillian White versus Oscar Rivas. Earlier today, I caught up with Dillian's brother, Dean, for a little bit of a chat. We started by talking about reality TV and MasterChef. Dean? 
What's your brother's cooking like? Very good. <laughs> yeah? Yeah, yeah? What's his dish? What's his main oh, thing? He cooks anything. He likes uh, the roast, roast, roast lamb, roast beef. He's on it, believe me. So you it, see anyway. So it's edible. So if he's no, knocking no. something up, he's it's all right. Good. He always likes to entice, entice me down there with the food. He, you know, I like to eat, but he's a, he's a very good cook anyway. We know that he's got a fight with Oscar Rivas coming up, but before I get to that, I just want to talk about all this WBC nonsense, man. Where's he said at? Because he must be incredibly frustrated. Number one since that Hellenius fight, and he hasn't been called as of yet. It's a bit of a farce, isn't it, when you're paying sanctioning fees? Exactly. You know, you're paying for a service, and, 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 it, and it's abysmal service. You know what I mean? It's not good at all. But, um, you know, he's, he's a professional. Obviously, the frustration comes in sometimes. As you can see, sometimes he, he gets outspoken. But he's a professional, so he doesn't make it consume him and take over him. But, you know, occasionally we're all human. You have outbursts. I know people say, oh, well, you should have done this, you should have done that. You know, at the end of the day, Wilder, Wilder's not meant to be dictating who he should fight to fight him. At the end of the day, it's the WBC's decision. You're in the manageable position. You fight these guys, you get your you get your choice. But listen, it, it hasn't happened. Next Saturday, Rivas, we've got to concentrate on him. He's uh, been training his socks off as he always does, and we're going to have a good fight because he's a good he's, he's a good strong fighter. You know? He's a proper fighter. I mean, a lot a lot of people win and this. He's yeah. So he doesn't know how to lose. So he's going to come with that hunger and purpose and passion. So we got we got to be switched on for him. You know. A lot, a lot of people, actually, when this fight were made, were like going, what's Dillian doing? Risking it all again. But that's what Dillian does, doesn't he? He, exactly. get, he gets in with the risky boys. He can, man. You know, <laughs> anyone can get it. He loves that line, you know. And it's true, though. He, he's, you know, he's taking these hard fights after hard fights. But what it is, is as well, it's, it's, it's invaluable experience. So we've got to bear that in mind. So now he's becoming the complete package because of these fights. You know what I mean? When he went into that Joshua AJ fight some years ago, he wasn't, he wasn't ready. He was nowhere near ready. He's not, you know, these fights are preparing him for... The rematches with AJ, fighting of Tyson Fury, potentially if that ever happens. Deontay Wilder, these kinds of things. All these hard fights, doing 12 rounds after 12 rounds, all of these kind of things, or 10 or 11, whatever you have be, going through adversity, getting dropped, having to take a knee, getting up and holding. Those are things what make fighters, you know? And Joshua didn't have that the other day as well, because you see, he didn't know how to hold when he got hurt by Ruiz. And, and these are critical things what you need to learn as you're coming up as a fight. He had it so much his own way, when he got to adversity, it was a little bit, a little bit off the peak, you know. But listen, next Saturday we're gonna focus on that, and uh, hopefully we get a, we get a really good knockout, or just get the W, whatever way, because we need to continue marching on, you know. You, me you mentioned Anthony's name there. Now it's well known that Dylan was offered that fight in April, right? Yeah. Now with the way that he's been mugged off by the WBC, mm -hmm. with the way that it looks like Usyk will jump him in the WBO rankings, is there any? Any regret about not taking that fight at this moment? <laughs> so, you know, it's funny, I, I did some interviews this morning. And last week, I think people would say the same thing. He hasn't outwardly mentioned it, you know, because obviously he believes he knows his worth. But maybe for me, I look at it like, wow, if that was us in that position, the Joshua that turned up that day there, you know, I, like I said before, I know fans maybe are criticised because he lost last time, but I'm saying the Joshua that turned up that day and the Dillian that is in form and now, would have destroyed Joshua, really. With that, with that left hook I was punching at the minute, going to the body and going to the head, he would have hurt Joshua really bad. And that's just an opinion of mine. Listen, at the end of the day, you've got two top athletes. Styles make fights. Andrew Ruiz's style is suited to him, counter-punching, fast and stuff like that. Dylan is fast as well. His jab is very deceptive. And that left hook, everyone knows about the left hook, but he's got so many other Arsenal shots, which we're going to see on Saturday, because Rivas is going to be looking for the left hook. As he knows, oh, Dylan's only got a big left hook. 
come Saturday, next Saturday, we're gonna we're gonna show you what other stuff he's been working on, and he's gonna see if 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 he believes, truly believes that that's all all he's got. What, what, what was the reasons that he, di he didn't do that fight because at that particular time? Was numbers, it just not the right? Numbers, the numbers weren't correct. When you look at the numbers, there's, only, there's not many pay-per-view fighters in the UK. Dillian's one, Joshua's the other. So he does his own show, sells out arenas. He's making similar money what Joshua offered him. Why is he going to go now? And he's his own headline guy, the A, a side. Go and be a B side. I get you the titles on the line, yes. But at the same time, as a, as a professional, as a business, you want to be rewarded for what you bring to the table. None of these guys are bringing what Dillian brings, the, the pay-per-view factor. Imagine the pay-per-view numbers with these two now. How good was it when there was, it was for a British title when there were nobodies? Imagine now how big it is. He should have given him his just as a look. They went and paid Miller, or wanted to pay Miller, $8 million, but then they offered Dillian, what, 5 or $6 million. Come on, man, Miller's not even in the same category. He can't even sell tickets to save his own ass. Not being funny, you know what I mean? So we've got to be fair. But maybe in hindsight, he might look at it and think, right, I ruled the day. I could have, um, you know, put myself in good position and been the champ now. But that's, that's just life. Fair point. So with this then in mind, because Fury's telling us that he's, he's tied up Deontay next February. Yeah. So that's a WBC route. Yeah. The WBO route might be... Tied up with Yusek. Yeah. What does Dylan do in the meantime? We've got to wait it out, man. We've got to see what's happening with the IBF because I think Joshua was meant to defend it in September. And I remember they stripped... Tyson Fury when he got the belts last time because they're going to have Andy Ruiz and Joshua rematch that's not going to be able to ha happen so let's see what the IBF do if they strip Ruiz um, Pulev's next in line and then potentially we could try and get that route but it's just speculation this is just my opinion this is nothing yeah. that I know or, you know but if not we just need to continue winning and wait our turn good things come to those who wait yeah exactly uh, Dean White Dillian White's brother speaking to me a little earlier on today about a couple of situations that uh uh, are around his brother and I, I threw that question towards him because they must have a little bit of regret that team must have a little bit of regret whoever advised Dillian not to take the Anthony Joshua fight back in April with the way that the WBC have treated him with the way that now he's been leapfrogged by Usyk with the WBO that world title fight is not coming anytime soon. And he had an opportunity in April to have a shot at three belts. Yeah, he did. And there was good money on the table. I think the, the problem was in the return clause. That was the problem. That's where all the problems lie. I think he wasn't happy with what he was getting if he won the titles. And the return clause, he was not happy that Joshua was still getting the lion's share, if you like. I think that was the general census of it. Yeah, he must be kicking himself, mustn't he? I mean, look. One, there was good money on the table, five, six million dollars, whatever it was. Two, he's got the opportunity to fight for the World Heavyweight titles. Now, say you go and win that fight, he goes and knocks out Anthony Joshua. Because he's got the return call, doesn't mean that fight's going to happen. Because mm. Joshua might not want it. Joshua might want to go down another route, depending on how the fight went. He might want to rebuild his career again before going there again. So listen, when you get those opportunities, and now he finds himself in the situation that he's in, where he's been 600 days plus WBC number one, and still not being made mandatory, still not being given the shot, which is a disgrace, by the way, he should have been given that shot a long time ago. And now we hear his brother there, Dean, just talking about, we don't really know where we're going after this. I mean, it's a disgrace. WBO number one, WBC number one. Give the guy his shot. You know, he, he's put that number one ranking on the line, by the way, with some good fighters. First started off with Lucas Brown, then he had Joseph Parker. Box Derek Jazora after having that 
wall in the first time. I, w I personally would never have gone back there again. Same. I mean, that was a life or death struggle. They put it all on the line. And then they'd done it a second time, and it was equally as good. And, you know, Dillian knocks Derek Jazora out eventually in the 11th round, behind on the scorecards. Come on, you've got the guy needs his shot. He deserves his shot. It's not... It's not right. And he's it not really lined up right. an easy one, has he, on uh, July the 20th? Let's be honest, Oscar Rivas is legit. I'm glad you said that because Oscar Rivas, in 2008, beat Pulev in the Olympics, which tells you that he's got great amateur pedigree because Pulev was one of the best amateurs around at the time. I think he was world silver medalist, something like that. But anyway, he beat Pulev, so it shows that he's got that pedigree. We've seen him boxing through the ranks as a pro. The guy's tough. You know, but he's got educated pressure. He swings shots from unusual angles. Like, he's wild, he's crude. That's difficult to box. He's got a really tough fight here on, on, on um, October, in, next week. It's a really, really tough fight. Um, he's, putting, he's putting a lot on the line, Dillian White, with no reward. It's a tough fight and nothing to gain because we heard his brother talking about it there. Where would you go after that? Well, we don't really know. Let's see what happened with the IBF. It's frustrating times for him, but they just seem to be keep lining my hard fights, don't they? That's it, and th th that's not going to stop, because if he does come through Rivas, as we heard from Tyson Fury, he's tied Deontay Wilder up February mm. 22nd. So Deontay Wilder's going to fight Luis Ortiz, that's what we're led to believe, and then he's going to fight Tyson Fury. We're talking this time next year before Dillian gets a knock. Well, we spoke, At the WBC belt, that is. And we spoke earlier about Huey Fury being a man out in the cold and, and you know, struggling to get in, in amongst that mix. Dillian couldn't have done any more. And now he is in a no-win situation. I mean, in the boxing world of snakes and ladders, if he moves, loses to Rivas, which, as Spencer's outlined, is no mug. But yeah. the problem is, is that apart from, you know, proper boxing fans, nobody knows who he is. Mm. So the casual fan observing, thinking, well, haven't we in the UK got loads of really top heavyweights, Dillian White, Joshua, blah, blah, blah. They've never heard of this guy. So if, mm. he, if, he, if it all goes wrong for Dillian and he's taking a big gamble, then everyone say, oh, he's no good. They, they, you know, they're not, they're not buying into the full situation. So it's a huge, huge gamble. But what he's also doing, because we know that Rivas is legit and Rivas could beat him next week. And if he does do that, he's then given the perfect excuse to Deontay Wilder or to anybody else who doesn't really want to be fighting Dillian White, they can all say, he's just got beat off Oscar Rivas. Why have I got to come? Why am I fighting Dillian White? Yeah, I'm glad you highlighted that because that's exactly what will happen. So he'll become the chairman of the Who Needs Him Club. Absolutely. You know, he's, he's lost that number one status because he's, he's lost to Rivas. I mean, we're just talking hypothetically, hypothetical, yeah. hypothetically speaking here. He loses to Rivas, then... He's in a really sticky situation, so he's putting a lot on the line. Because if he loses to Rivas, the road back in, the route back in is difficult. Look, he's number one with all the governing bodies, and they can't give him a route in now. So what <laughs> happens if he loses? Dom, you're talking about snakes and ladders. There's a really big ladder on snakes and ladders, and he's going to hit that one. And that, that, that ladder on snakes and ladders is at the top, in it? It's not like 90-something, and it goes right down to number one and two. That's what will happen. He'll hit the bottom again, and it, they'll just try and freeze him out because he's a good fighter, Dillian mm. White, and he's a dangerous fighter. He proved that first time against Joshua. Nailed him. Inexperienced. Didn't let him finish the fight in the second round. Joshua was gone for three or four rounds. Took him to recover. Didn't even let him recover, and then he lost the fight. He realised what he'd done. And since that fight, by the way... He's improved no oh, end. No question. White, and I think he deserves his shot. And I think against the right fighter, I think against any of the fighters in the world at the moment, he's got a chance. Dillian White, I really do. 
he's, I think, he's stylistic. He's got he, knockout power. That he's got, always gives you a chance. Absolutely. Mm. And, he, and, and he's and he's learned the trade as well. Mm. He's been in the fights. He's He got off the floor in the 12th round against Joseph Parker. More experience. You know, he's picked himself up. He's been there before. So if it happens again, when you've been there already once, it's not such a shock to the system. Yeah. Agree. Uh, you listen to Fight Night Live on Talk Sport. We've got about 15 minutes left of the show. Thank you so much for joining us. If you've missed any part of it, we will stick it up as a little bit of a podcast so you can get stuck into that as well. Uh, I'm Adam Cattrall. Don McGuinness and Spencer Oliver are alongside me. Don't go anywhere. Like I said, we've got 15 minutes left. Tommy Fury's new ring walk music there that you can hear in the background, the theme to Love Island. Uh, it is Fight Night Live on TalkSport. I'm Adam Cattrall, Don McGuinness and Spencer Oliver joining me. Uh, we've seen Amir Khan blow Billy Dibbleway in four rounds. Fast hands, as expected. What next? That to be decided. Um, just to finish the show, our, um, our producer seems to be a little bit obsessed with reality TV and boxes at this moment in time, and rightfully so, because if you actually look at young Tommy Fury, uh, Tyson's because uh, that is in uh, Love Island at this moment in time. He's doing extremely well. I said as soon as he went in, a lot of the boxing fraternity gave him a little bit of uh, abuse, saying, 2-0, going on a reality TV show, that proves how much you're taking your career seriously. However, my point immediately was, that kid's going to go on Love Island. If he does half well, he'll come out with about a million followers on Instagram. If 10% of those followers buy a ticket for his next fight, he's quids in already. He's absolutely laughing, he's the kid. Not to mention after the endorsement deals that he's going to get off the back end of that. Now, we've seen Dillian White sign up for MasterChef. We've seen the Eubanks on uh, Gogglebox of recent times. I don't think reality TV is a thing to be sniffed at because we've seen Amir, haven't we, in the jungle and David Hay in the jungle. Yeah, I was going to say, it goes back a while now. Uh, and again, you, you, if you think about it, it it's amazing profile. It, it, you know, really, you can be sniffy about this and say, well, it's rubbish, it's this, that and the other. It's great for the individual and it does highlight boxing. And again, you know, Amir Khan, when he came out of the jungle, his first fight back was Phil LeGreco and they're ringside for that it night in Liverpool. It was pumping that night, wasn't it? It was brilliant. And it, that's a lot of casual fans mm. have gone to the arena to see him. And not only that, his mates from the jungle were all there ringside dead. Dennis yeah. Wise and lots of other people that I can't really remember, but obviously Jamie remember Dennis Lomas, footballer. Jamie Lomas. <laughs> yeah, Dennis Wise had had a good night that night. Had, I remember you interviewing yes, him. Yeah, yeah he, he was in fine form. But the thing is, he spent it, the know, majority of it at the bar, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> what, Dennis. What, what's the harm in that? You know, that, that that's good. I mean, I, I don't know too much about Love Island, but if you think about it as well, I remember the celebrity Big Brother years ago, and it's sort of uh, again. It, it makes us tune in when you know yeah. that Audley Harrison's going agreed, in the celebrity agreed, yeah. Big Brother, mm. but with Kelly Maloney and it was just shortly after Frank became Kelly and it was really it was a really lovely scene actually when Audley uh, welcomed Kelly into the house and and they'd had a bit of problem in the past when obviously yeah. Frank was promoting David Price and there was a bit of needle in the build-up to that and but it was a really warm kind of greeting between us and it was it was really nice and again it put boxing in a great light and oh, people yeah. thought oh, Audley's gonna be this he's gonna be that no he showed what a human he was I think was really with, yeah I think with the reality TV it can make or break you reality TV so how are you behave when you go in there, how you conduct yourself when you go in there, like Tommy Fury for instance what he's done in there, you know the way he done it, that girl went on went up to him, put it on him, when he was in a relationship already, she put it on him and said listen, don't say anything but I wish I never made you those mistakes. You seem to know the ins and outs of this television show I've got show, two Spencer. girls indoors that oh, watch it there's right the now. excuse, there that's, it is well, that's all you need, that's all you need <laughs> not one girl, two girls, my daughter loves it and my, and my missus loves it, so what, what I'm saying is that the guy made it, that he was smart in what he done he didn't buy it at the other girl he done that and the people love it and that and, and you're right you talk about endorsement
performance and you talk about furthering your career, that's only going to help him in yeah. the boxing world. And, it's, and we've seen that in the past. So I think the reality TV is a good thing. It, it is a good thing if you're authentic on there, you know. Um, what you've just said there about Tommy Fury, thats I personally don't think that's contrived at all. I personally think he is being him 100%. When Amir went into the jungle, for example, there was a myth around Amir, wasn't there? What is he really like? He's a bit flash. He's got nice cars. He's got nice watches. He comes across on Instagram as a bit of a Billy Big Time. You know what I mean? You stick him in the jungle and he's stealing strawberries, acting like a little kid. Every man and his dog falls in love with him because they just think, who's this lovable rogue? We need a little bit more of this in our life. Hence, when we turn up in Liverpool and he's fighting Phil LeGreco, the place is absolutely jumping with brand spanking new fans. I can't get enough of it, me. Utilise these platforms. That's the world we're living in right now, isn't it? Sure. Social media-driven platforms. Get on these platforms in order to show your personality to transcend the sport. Question then. One reality, you give me one reality programme. And the only one that I, I genuinely would be reasonably familiar with is the Jungle one. Yes. Now, but any of the ones that are flying around, I mean, Matt, our producer, is obsessed with Love Island. He's absolutely obsessed with it, never stops talking about it. It's not because of the boxer in there. He's just obsessed with it. <laughs> but one reality programme and one boxer you'd like to see in it. Oh, Retired or current? Whoever you want. Well, I'd love Tyson to be involved in something, somewhere, shape or form. Um, but Eubank Senior is just gold, isn't he? Stick yeah, it, but he's been stick, in a few already. He I has mean, been in a, I mean, he was in the jungle himself, wasn't yeah, he? You know yeah, what I mean? You could, stick it, you could stick him in a few. He's absolutely box office. But Tyson Fury right now I think would be brilliant in so, something, some shape or form. Yeah, I'm with you. I think Tyson Fury, he's got so much charisma. The story he's got and everything else would be absolute gold. And you know, I'd love to see him in one of those like, like, um, I'm a celebrity get me out of here where they starve them because when you starve a boxer <laughs> yeah. he gets snappy he starts fighting things happen you would get sheer gold from him and Adam one thing else I wanted to ask you you're, you're a big Love Island fan which we here know here he is here he is so yeah the, the reason I want to ask this is like who do you watch Love Island with? my missus Okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's no, digging me out here. Whenever yeah. I'm away from my missus, yeah, all right, I yeah. get on the old hub and have a watch of it myself. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's all I wanted to know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Listen, it is absolutely box office TV, that television show. There's no question about it. And because Toby's on it as well, I'll probably still watch it, even if he wasn't in it. Listen, all I know, when we come to do these shows, and we come in yesterday, we come in yesterday, first thing you was talking about was Love Island. We didn't mention... <laughs> you, didn't give me, you didn't give me a draft of how the show was going to happen, who we was talking about on the show. I didn't know what I was doing when I turned up here. We turned up here again today. Right, so how, what are we going to get up to today, boys? Oh, did you see what happened in Love Island? That's what we get from you. We know what you're all about, Catherine. <laughs> By the way, I just had a thought, and it it's, ne it's not this week, it's next week, but Dave Allen. Oh, he would be gold, would he? Well, he's already got the social media Dave Allen on Love Island would be hilarious. Dynamite. He would be dynamite. He would be absolute dynamite. And, 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 and you can see him running around there now, can't you? With his, there's, a, there's, a reality, there's a reality TV show in America, <laughs> right? Called, it's uh, The Real Housewives or something or other. And Deontay Wilder's missus was on one of those shows, so therefore he was kind of in the background of it all the time. Right. And it was remarkable to see him in that environment. You know what I mean? The bronze bomber goes in the ring, knocking dudes out left, right and centre. But bronze bomber at home, very different character. His missus wears the trousers, bosses in him around. Fantastic. But that then brings a whole new fight fan then, doesn't it? It brings somebody else going, 
He's actually a sweet guy, him. I'm buying into that story rather than the fighter. Well, you, do you know what? With fighters in general, anyway, and you see these people, and they're showmen, and they're putting on these things, and you see, like, you're talking about the bronze bomber. Actually, they're all very sensitive people. And generally, in relationships, I don't care what any boxer says, the boxer's not the guy that wears the trousers. It's generally the woman that's holding it all together. That's Fact. it. There you go. Uh, so make sure you're tuning in to uh, next season's Love Island. Spencer will be on that. Um, um, Dom's <laughs> off to the jungle for a little bit of that, and I'll get stuck into a bit of Big Brother. Something. There you go. We'll uh, we'll do the foot. We'll do the triple whammy. Uh, listen, gentlemen. Always a pleasure to be in your company. Thank you so much for going through the fights tonight. Amir Khan did the business out in Jeddah. What next for him? You'll hear it, no doubt, uh, here on Talk Sport tomorrow. Come and join us from seven o'clock. We've got an extra special show. Uh, Julius Francis is going to be in. The man that fought Tyson in the early 2000s. He's got a few tales to tell. And then we'll obviously get stuck into the uh, big night of boxing that's at the O2 between Daniel Dubois and Nathan Gorman. Coming up next, it's extra time on Talk Sport with Jed. Have a great night. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 